0: You're listening to the Tool Station Western League podcast with Ian Knockolds and Tom Hiscott.
1: Welcome, listeners, to episode 18 of the Tool Station Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockolds, and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by the it's the author of the bulletin. It's Tom Hiscott. Hello, Tom. How are you? Hi there,
2: Ian. You're doing well,
1: thanks. Yourself? Yeah, not bad at all. Did you take in any football over the weekend? <laughs>
2: Unfortunately not. I mean, I've been. Uh, starting on the Christmas shopping, maybe a little bit a little bit early, but um, yeah, trying to get a bit of that done this weekend, so yeah, that was, took
1: up quite a bit of my Saturday. How about yourself? Well, I I, I feel as if I need to take a, a visit to the confessional, because um, I've, I've done it again. I've gone and watched Southern League football. I apologise. It would have been much better if I'd have watched Western League football, I know that. Uh, uh, Swindon Supermarine were... Well, we're at home to Porton Rovers, and uh, my my father-in-law uh, lives um, only a few miles away in Shrivenham. So um, he and I we went to the Webswood Stadium, and we enjoyed we enjoyed a jolly good day out at uh, at Swindon Supermarine as we always do. Um, unlike most of our visits there, in fairness, Swindon actually won. Um, normally, Porton win, um, which uh, which I very much enjoy. But um, anyway, it was a good opportunity for me to catch up with a few familiar faces. Back from my old Summer Valley day. So I certainly enjoyed myself. But um, we, we talk, we're not talking about Southern League football today. We're talking about Western League football. And we've got, we've got absolutely loads to talk about. We've got the Premier Division. We've got the First Division. We've got the FA Vars. And, of course, that's really hiding up now. We'll start off by looking back... Um, at the fixtures. We'll, we'll, we'll start on Wednesday, the 29th of November, because there was the small matter of uh, a first division tie between Roman Glass St George and Devises Town. And uh, to call it a one sided affair would probably be something of an understatement, Tom.
2: Yeah, indeed. I mean, Roman Glass St George, they are the team at the moment. Um, a 6 0 win last Wednesday evening against Devises Town. Um, they're not letting in goals and they're scoring boatloads at the moment They're, they're the team to watch uh, A stunning run of form um, They're completely swept aside devices uh, They took the lead uh, after just a minute So they were well on their way Very early on, Lewis went and put them ahead the um, From that moment, they never really looked back Ken Oney is in, another man in good form uh, He scored a hat-trick uh, And there were further goals from Ryan Radford and Jason Burton Yeah, 6-0 win
1: Right then, well, why are there are only 52 people watching that, God only knows, because, you know, it's goals, goals, goals for the glass at the moment, so um, get along down there, because uh, that's value, value, value. Um, massive um, uh, weekend of FAVAR's action, Tom, and it all started at Bradford-upon-Avon and uh, a thumping win against Team Soland. Yeah, excellent stuff from
0: Bradford,
2: obviously doing well in the league and uh, they've taken that form into the vase. Uh, they're into the last 32 now following a 4-0 win on, on Saturday. Uh, they made the best possible start and um, they were ahead inside the open a few minutes when Alex Monks converted an early penalty. Uh, they then uh, doubled their advantage uh, on the half-hour through Matty Morris uh, and then after half-time they added a further two goals. Quite late on they had to weather a, weather a storm from the, the visitors during the second half. Um, a couple of good saves and, and good blocks and whatnot. Uh, but then, yeah, later on, uh, double the margin of, of victory with Sam Jordan and Pete Shepherd uh, adding late goals. So, yeah, 4-0 to Bradford. Excellent stuff.
1: A fantastic wing, and I couldn't help but take this opportunity to catch up with, well, he's an old friend of the podcast, of course. Is Danny Greaves, the manager of Bradford Town, and I started off by asking him the burning question that was on my mind, not quite how he felt about after that 4-0 win, because you'd imagine he felt pretty good. But where on earth are Team Solent? It's a big place, the Solent. Where, are, where on earth are they, and what did Bradford Town know about their opponents before that game?
3: Um, We we knew a little bit about them. We managed to do our homework. Um, The the draw was made um, at the time where they still had their their original tie to to play um, because it was postponed on the Saturday. Um, So we managed to quickly make arrangements to get down to to Southampton and and watch their game against Tavistock. So that was was really helpful because when you go outside of your region, you don't know too much about these teams. So, um, yeah, no, it was very, very handy to get down there and have a look.
1: Well, your homework certainly paid off because 4-0 was a very healthy scoreline. Um, do you think that did you, Justice?
3: Yeah, I think it did. I don't think um, they would have had any, any complaints going away um, with, with that scoreline against them. Um, we, we started the game extremely well. Um, got a goal um, early doors inside the first five minutes, and, and managed to get another one halfway through the half. And uh, we were very dominant in the first half, and then, as we have been most of most of this season, we were very professional after after we got ourselves in front and managed the game and defended well when we had to, and, and managed to get ourselves another couple of goals in in the second half. So, um, yeah, I think the, the scoreline was, was was about fair.
1: Now, of course, the headlines will go to the goal scorers, of course they will. But you had a young man in gold who um, I've come across in my time on Summer Valley FM because he was playing for the Radstock Town under-18s not that long ago. Young Charlie Phillips, uh, he appears to have come of age. Yeah,
3: um, Charlie's um, Charlie's done well for us. He's uh, he's a young lad. He's only 18. Um, as you mentioned, he's he's started off at Radstock. I think he's done Polton under 18s. He's he's then moved on to Bristol Rovers and Exeter. So he's had a he's had a number of clubs in a very very short space of time. Which one would tell you that he's got some ability for these clubs to take a look at him, but would also tell you that he's got things to work on. Um, as it hasn't quite worked out for him as yet but um, he's shown a great attitude um, working with us all the way through the summer um, we knew um, Jamie Butler our, our previous um, goalkeeper is one of the best in uh, in, in, in this league for sure um, we knew he was going off to pursue his career in the RAF um, so um, recruited Charlie and Charlie was patient and, and waited for a chance and worked hard and over the last couple of months or so, he's he's um, he's been playing for us and he's been improving week on week. And he um, he had a good game on Saturday. Um, he, he had to make a couple of a uh, couple of important saves at very crucial times for us. And generally generally performed really really well. And he's a good lad. Um, got plenty plenty to work on, but um, he's he's doing extremely well for us so far. So hopefully that can continue.
1: Well, I, I know you're a man that knows a thing or two about goalkeeping, so I'm, I'm sure that Charlie's in in good hands um, where you're concerned. But um, the question is really, how much do you know about your opponents in the fourth round proper? Um, you're away. You're going to you're going to the Isle of Wight.
0: We go into the Isle of Wight, yes. Yeah.
3: So um, yeah, the draw was uh, the draw was made on Monday. So. Um... Yeah, the the phones uh, the phones been ringing. The chairman's phone's been ringing. The, the fans are looking forward to it. Fans have already started booking their booking their weekends away and booking hotels and stuff. So it's um, certainly caught the imagination of the the fans who, who do follow us. Well, in all fairness to them, um, and as, as uh, players and management on the football side of things, um, it's uh, it's going to be a tough game. I think people will look at people will look at the league table and see they're near the bottom of. Um, near the bottom of the table, but I know they've had a, a recent change in management since the season started, and, and since that they've gone on a they've gone on a fairly fairly decent run and recruited some players. So um, their league's a false position as to um, their recent form. Um, they beat Hengrove in round two um, by a healthy scoreline. I think it was six six two, and. We know from, from our experiences in, and in the Western League that anybody who puts six past Henk that has done extremely well. They're a very, very tough side to play against. So, um, yeah, we know it'll be a tough game. and Again, we'll do our homework and make sure we're prepared for, for what'll be a tough game.
1: So, Newport uh, on the Isle of Wight are is, um, is your next opponents, but were you pleased that you managed to avoid Wiltshire rivals Melksham Town in the draw?
3: Yeah, we were. Um, at the time of the draw being made, it was still uh, it was still to be decided whether it would be Bridgewater or Melksham, and Melksham come through that last night in the replay, so uh, credit to them. Um, but, yeah, I think for, for the good of the Western League, it's good that we're, we, we stay apart, um, keep two... Westerly uh, teams in the competition for as long as possible and, and represent the league, um, and hopefully save that one for, for for a little bit later in the competition.
1: Yeah, what a final it would make! Do you think you could sell out Wembley? Uh,
3: we would uh, we'd probably sell out once here. Um, <laughs> we uh, we um, we. No, in all fairness, I think both clubs are very well supported, um, and the whole of uh, the whole of Wiltshire would would get behind that one. And. Um, yeah, we can all we can all dream it. sounds sounds a bit far fetched when we start talking about Wembley, but we know from the past teams from the West Country, Taunton, Sipson in, in previous times have got to the final of the Vav, so um, we can we can dream about that. But let's uh, just let's get through there. Let's get through the Newport game first, and then head into the to the last 16, which would be a, a fantastic achievement for for Bradford, and it, it would be the furthest I believe they've ever got into the competition. So one step at a time.
1: One step at a time. Wise words there, Danny. Thank you very much for your time. Congratulations. We'll be keeping everything crossed for you in, uh, on the 6th of January when that uh, when that fourth round game uh, goes ahead. And my thanks to Danny Greaves, as always, for his time. Now then... The small matter of Bridgewater Town against Malksham Town, the two towns that are in an awful lot of form. Bridgewater perhaps came a little bit late to the party in terms of their league form, but they've been in awesome form of late, and they proved it against high-flying Malksham Town. Yeah, and
2: this was definitely a game that you needed to get there early for. Uh, Four goals uh, on the afternoon all came in the first 24 minutes of action. Uh, Malchion took less than 60 seconds to to make the breakthrough. Uh, Jake Brown firing home and obviously uh, stunning the Bridgewater crowd a, a little bit, but they were soon back on back on level terms. Tangova uh, scoring for the second consecutive Saturday from the spot uh, and yeah, brought them level. Uh, Ryan Burrows then just two minutes later uh, turned the game on its head, uh, completing the turnaround and putting Bridgewater ahead. Uh, but then, as I say, we're just 24 minutes on the clock. Uh, Gary Higden uh, knocked him a penalty of his own uh, did his 18th goal of the season in all competitions uh, and took it a 2-all uh, and that was how it stayed until the 90 minutes and they did go to extra time uh, but they couldn't be split and uh, yeah they'll be playing on Monday night probably after the podcast uh, has been heard by many of you but um, yeah a 2-all draw on Saturday and uh, a huge huge replay this evening um, and to, to, to get through to the last 32
1: so that, that replay on Monday the 4th of December will it be Bagley Will it be Bags? We'll have to wait and see. Well, actually, you won't, listener, because because um, after that enthralling game on Monday night, I took this opportunity to catch up with Melkshire manager Kieran Bags to find out exactly what he thought of that enthralling encounter against an informed Bridgewater townside. You
0: know, it was a tough draw when, when we seen it, and then um, an away, an away game on the Saturday and then to have the replay on the Monday in such a short amount of time, you know. It was, um, it was really pleasing for, for the club, for the team, um, for the, the, the players in, in the whole squad and, and the staff as well. So, yeah, delighted to, to come away with a win and, um, yeah, looking forward to the, to the next round
1: now. So, we'll start off by looking at Saturday. You had an away fixture at Bridgewater Town and Bridgewater have been in very good form of late. Now, I know that you've been in good form as well, but um, how did you feel going to their place on Saturday? Were you, were you, were you positive?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's one that you you can look at the the form guide, but you know what a play like with, with subsides that sort of sometimes can go out the window. So it it was probably the the most frantic first forty five minutes of, of of football that that I've been involved in. You know, we went one up after thirty seconds. We were two one down after after ten ten minutes, and then we got two at half time, and um and then it sort of like died down a little bit in the second half, which which was which was good for my heart. So um, <laughs> you know it it. it was really, a real, real good cup tie, and um, you know, over the probably the course of um, the 90 non was was a, a fair result, and then the um, the extra time came, and um, there was a lot, of, lot of lads. We were down there with um, with a little bit of a depleted squad, so um, I could only make really one one change in normal time. So you know, the lads were out on their feet a little bit. And um, in the 113th minute of extra time, we did have a goal disallowed, which I thought was harsh for a, for a push on a header, and that would have that would have been enough to, to seal the to seal the win down at Bridgewater. But you know, it wasn't to be, and in, in, then the replay happened on Monday.
1: Yeah, I mean, under normal circumstances, in a cup tie, of course, it's not a bad thing to get the replay and to get uh, your opponents back to your venue. On this occasion, the turnaround was so quick that, given that your de- given your depleted squad, it, it was a bit of a, a double-edged sword for you, wasn't it, really? We we
0: quickly being there with a few bodies missing to so. To get, to get them back in ready for the Monday night. Obviously, we brought um, Dan Denkiff was, was back in, Tyler Civic, Chris Allen, and Dave Thompson was also um, also in the squad for, for Monday. So, you know, you, you're looking around the change room and already you're, you're breathing a bit more confidently with just the, the options that we had. So, you know, we've looked to change it. But a lot of the lads had, like, 120 minutes in, in, in under them on the Saturday. So, so like you said, the, the quick turnaround can sometimes... Be detrimental to, to to people's fitness levels, but because we were up, we to change it around so much. You know, it, it gave lot of opportunity to come in and had much game time or coming back from injury. And you know, sometimes you've got to take a risk in, in the cup and, and just go with well, what your your head's saying at the time. But yeah, it was um, it was probably worth for Bridgewater to have to come down on a Monday night on that long trip after Saturday, but. You know, it's, it's one of those things that you, you know that's going to happen um, in, in extra time if, if, it, if it ends up as a draw that you are going to bring them back to your place on the Monday. So that was always in the back of my mind, not to, not to concede and to, and to take the replay if we needed to.
1: Well, there was a degree of symmetry about last night's performance because your first game... Your first goal came two minutes in. Your second goal came two minutes from the end. Both scored by Luke Ballinger. Yeah, I mean, Bally
0: was absolutely excellent last night, and um, he's been an absolute credit to the football club this season. It's difficult because sometimes as assistant manager, I sometimes have to pull him out to keep other lads happy and that's just the, 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 the job it, it comes with but he, he started the game on fire he um, hit the crossbar as well he probably could have had a hat trick you wouldn't mind me saying but um, he, he was absolutely everywhere last night in an attacking sense and and the defensively as well When he took his second goal superbly well so like you said uh, we, we went ahead after a couple of minutes on a Saturday and exactly the same on Monday night so it was always weary in the back of our mind that that could happen um, but other than, other than one chance that Bridgewater had and Rob Brown pulled off an absolute world-class think we really did limit them to long-range efforts and, and sort of long throws and things like that. So that was pleasing from a defensive point, point of view. He'd to them, why Mabel were too third and also standing left-back Ben Thompson and probably a man the of the match
1: before the right there. One of the funny things about the FA Vars is that it's thrown up for us so many um, matches between two Western League member clubs and uh, in, a, in, in some respects that's the dis- that was the disappointing thing about um, about your game uh, with Bridgewater because of course it would be nice to see as many of our clubs progress through but it has guaranteed at least um, uh, one place I- in the next round I mean from a manager's point of view is it better the devil you know Are you would you rather face a Western League side? In general
0: no because we haven't actually played Bridgewater this season yet and they down from the Southern League, we have, oh, it's not one of those you, you, as a club, have too much history with. So it, it did feel more like a cup tie. You're going to get to all against someone in the league, like Will and Speed did. They've obviously played each other a lot of times and things like that. So you sort of know a little bit about them, but with Bridgewater, we've only won, went and watched them once. You know, you only go on from of what you see on the Tour station website results wise and read their match reports and things like that so in this sense it probably didn't make that much of a difference but um, from a from obviously you guys from a western league point of view you would have liked to see that uh some ties from, from other leagues just to progress as many as possible. But you get thrown up and you know what you know what to expect, so you just have to deal with it when it comes out.
1: So obviously we know about Bridgewater Town, but we don't know about Crowborough Athletic. What do you know about your, your opponents in the next well, round? I know, at the moment I know as much as you do, but um, I had um,
0: a meeting this morning with, with Darren and he's, um, he's going to go down and do a full match report, an analysis report on them. He's going to watch them over the next coming weeks just so that we have some sort of knowledge and then watching them in the, in the flesh rather than just going off what you sort of look on the website obviously I don't know much about the league um, there's a few teams like I know Tom, Tombridge Wells are in their league and I've played against them over the years but you know lots of things can change since then so it's going to have to they has to have a match report done and, and watch just to make sure that we've done everything our end to be prepared as possible
1: for it. Well, one thing's for sure, Crowborough will probably have never played at a ground like um, like yours before. It'll be a, it'll be an interesting trip for them up to Oak Trafford. Um, something yeah. of and I hope never, and I'm sure that the people of Maltsham will come out and cheer you on. I mean, the the
0: support from Maltsham over the, the weekend from the, from the fans have been unbelievable. You know, to take between 17 and eighty people to an away game at Bridgewater on Saturday, you know, which was amazing and all the the players were fully appreciative as well like even they said in the change rooms after how good it was to see so many yellow and black scarves when you're you're on the pitch looking out so you know they're they're a credit to the town and a a credit to the club the amount of support we get for home away. so yeah we know what it's like when when teams want to come up to to Oakville now it it almost just gives them that little raise that that extra 15-20% that they might after a long trip be a little bit demotivated if they were going to the conager and seeing it but now you know they, they, look, they look at Oakfield and they think, yeah, I fancy a bit of this. So we know we've got to be prepared for probably the, the toughest test. But um, as long as the boys perform, then I think we've got every chance.
1: Well, you've avoided Bradford um, in the fourth round proper. What a, what a final it would be if you pulled them out of the hat uh, all the way to Wembley.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's something that you can only you can only dream about. I imagine to all the, the fans are around Wiltshire would love to see, you know, another a Wiltshire club make make the final. And it's something that you can just keep believing. We've got as much chance as anyone else, in after the result last night and the the performance, if we can produce that performance in the the next round and and see what the hat brings, then you just never know. You know, the whole point of you coming into this level of football is for our FA Cup final, which is the VAS. So, you know, you've got to keep dreaming, keep believing, and long in the hat, you've got a chance.
1: Kieran, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us today. Congratulations on that win, and um, we'll all be keeping our fingers crossed for you in January. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Ian. Speak to you soon. Cheers. Premier Division, uh, Bitten against Brislington, and it was all square.
2: It was, uh, and it was, uh, it was a good comeback uh, by, uh, by Brislington. Uh, Bitten were ahead very early on. Uh, two goals in the opening 14 minutes from uh, Luke Bryan, put them ahead, uh, gave them good control of the game, but uh, they weren't able to hold on. Uh, Brislington scored, scored twice after half time uh, to make it 2 all.
1: Bridport against Halland. that was a more one sided affair.
2: Yeah, third league win uh, on the bounce now for Bridport, one in good form. Uh, Ed Butcher, Mark Salter and Richard Hebditch, three three good goal scorers for them, do well uh, generally through the seasons. And, yeah, they're on on target again. Uh, A 3-0 win at home to
1: Howard. Street, they travelled to Chipping, Sudbury Town, and they've been in very good form of late, haven't they, the league leaders?
2: Yeah, Bridport, three wins in a row. But uh, Street, they're up, up to 10 now. So, yeah, doing remarkably well. Uh, a pretty easy 3 no win away at Chipping Sotbury Town. Uh, an own goal put them ahead uh, in the 25th minute. Uh, and then David O'Hare double the advantage soon after half time. Uh, and then the same man, so O'Hare scored twice in the afternoon, uh, headed home a late third.
1: Clevedon Town, they entertained well City.
2: Yeah, and no, a topsy turvy affair. Uh, Clevedon essentially coming out 2 1 winners. Uh, Lucas Bowles put them ahead uh, quite early on before Liam Davis grabbed an equaliser six minutes later. Uh, and then early in the second half, the winner came, and it was a, a deflected free kick from Alex Russell uh, going into the back of the world's net uh, fire deflection, as would say. And, uh, yeah, uh, Leapton held on for the 2-1 win.
1: Now, Cribs, they entertained your boys odd down.
2: Mm, and they, they, did, they fell behind in this one, but they did come back to win. A uh, 4-2 victory for Cribs. Uh, as I say, Richard Dawley put, put odd down ahead, uh, but then goals from Liam Clayton and Lewis Hedges uh, saw, them, saw them lead at the break. Uh, Jake Hodgson uh, then hit a penalty to to extend Cribs' lead to 3-1 before Asa White uh, reduced the the arrears, uh, made it 3-2 quite late on, uh, but it was Cribs who managed to get the the final goal, Sol Sol Wanjao-Smith. Uh, wrapping up the victory eight minutes from time and
1: uh, yeah, Cribs held on for the 4-2 win I think that's this week's name of the week Um, Now moving on, Longwell Green sports, their disappointing season continues Um, probably fancied something against Hengrove the team that they'd managed to get a point against normally we expect the curse of the podcast to kicking but not on this occasion Hengrove did manage to take all three points away at Longwell Green Yeah, it was
2: close sir. a really good crowd actually to see obviously Longwell are struggling as you mentioned but 102 fans there um, and they they fell behind to a Lewis Dunn uh, goal but they did manage to get back on level terms through Danny Carter uh, but they weren't able to hang on uh, to get their second point in the season unfortunately and it was Reese Hickory who scored the winner for, for Hengrove who take all three points
1: and Shepton Mallet they entertained Buckland Athletic
2: yeah, really tight affair this one just one goal to split them uh, and it came for, for Buckland so the away side uh, claimed the victory and it was Gavin Hammond who struck the only goal of the game there
1: and Wellington finally they've been in good form at home but um, they came unstuck against um, one of the informed sides in the Premier Division of course Willand Rovers
2: yeah and another team that, that won 3-0 on Saturday afternoon as Willand. Uh, Craig Craigfield scored either side of the break uh, before Ryan, Gra- Ryan Guppy then added a third uh, midway through the second half uh, Yeah, and they ran away with the, uh, the 3-0 victory
1: Now we move down into the First Division and Armsbury against Wincanton, Tom, that one didn't beat the weather by the looks of things. No,
2: unfortunately not, no. One of of two games I think this was to 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 fail um, pitching sessions or whatever on uh, Saturday morning. That didn't go ahead, unfortunately.
1: And Ashton and Backwell United, they entertain Chippenham. Not uh, Well, perhaps one for the purist there.
2: <laughs> yeah, not one to write home about at all. Uh, A goal was true. We usually do have one, as you usually mention. But, um, yeah, nothing, nothing to report from that game, unfortunately.
1: Bristol Telephone's torrid season continues, isn't it? started so well, but the wheels have well and truly come off there, haven't they?
2: Yeah, and uh, this time it was a home defeat against Calum. Uh, 2-1 they went down. Uh, and Calum's goal scored in the afternoon with Rory Worthington and Stuart Windsor.
1: Now, Chard Town. They entertained Portishead Town.
2: Yeah, Portishead uh, unfortunately at the bottom of the table, and they went down to a four-one loss uh, away at Chard. Uh, Andy Holmes and Ollie Pearson scored in the first half for the home side, uh, and then Liam Cleal and uh, James Borland added further goals after half time. Uh, so yeah, four-one-one for Chard.
1: Now the Cheese Men, Cheddar. They really are purring at the moment, aren't they, Tom?
2: Mm, doing very well. Um, Adam Adam Jones converted an early cross from Chris Coons to put them ahead. Here in this one, against Oldham and And then there was no goal quite soon after, sort of giving really good control early on. Uh, Ricky Bennett and Anthony Cleave then added goals after the break and, yeah, ran out 4-0 winners, Cheddar, over uh, Oldham and
1: Now, I think Corsham Town should take a bow because every week we talk about their results. They get very, very good crowds. The people of Corsham clearly doing a very good job of supporting their club. On this occasion, though, the home fans wouldn't have gone home that happy.
2: No, uh, but they did do well against the in-form Raymond Glass and George. Obviously, we mentioned them earlier after the, the midweek prevailed. Uh, and it was Bobby um, Tripp who had headed the home side ahead. So caution, we in the lead uh, three minutes uh, after the break. Uh, but obviously, Roman and George, pretty confident side at the moment. They're back, back on level terms quite, in, quite soon after through Ryan Radford. Uh, And then we're two minutes left on the clock. uh, A free kick from uh, 25 yards out was struck on goal by Jordan Yone and took a wicked deflection, uh, beating the caution keeper uh, and ending up in the back of the net. Uh, So a 2-1 win for Ramagrath and George, and uh, they remain top, and the the winning run continues.
1: Yeah, another team doing very, very well in the First Division is Keynesham Town, and it was, Mm. well, I mean, Bishops Lydiard were well and truly put to the sword, weren't they, Tom?
2: Yeah, uh, a something win here for Keynesham, 7-1. Uh, home to City of, Uh Matt Brown uh, scoring twice, uh, as was as did, as did A.D. Harvey uh, scoring in either half. Both for those for those four of the goals, uh, Craig Wilson and James Ollis uh, also getting on on the score sheet uh, alongside a, a, an own goal. Uh, and, a, yeah, win Kanechim, and yeah, something wins for Kenton seven one. And yeah, they're doing really well at the moment. Then, and Roman Glass Roman Glass uh, um, kind of rang away a bit at the moment a little bit.
1: Now, I know you love nothing more than a trip to the Flying Monk, um, which is more than can be said for Warminster Town.
2: Yeah, uh, Warminster Tindling enjoy their afternoon there, going down to a, a 2-1 loss. Malmsbury doing really well at home at the moment. Uh, and it was goals from Jamie Packer and George Pier um, they, they bagged the goals for, for Malmsbury in a, in a 2-1 victory.
1: Now, the following game is a game that I'd have been very interested in seeing. Uh, Radstock against Westbury, of course, two of the informed sides in the First Division, but unfortunately it didn't beat the weather.
2: No, uh, the second game, was, yeah, that uh, was, was called off. So, obviously, we'll get it later in the season, so something to look forward
1: to. But, yeah, uh, didn't play this Saturday, unfortunately. Well, I, I'm, I'm quite pleased about that because um, uh, those are two sides that I'd very much like to see. And it would also be nice to, it'd be nice to go to a, a, Rad, a Radstock-Westbury game where I don't drop my daughter, um, unlike the last one. Anyway, Sherbourne Town, they entertain Devizes Town.
2: Yeah, indeed, a one-all draw there between those two sides. Uh, pretty good crowd, uh, and it was Josh Williams who struck a second-half uh, penalty uh, to grab a, grab a share of the points of Sherborne after they'd fell behind in the first
1: half. Now then, um, finally in the first division, Welton Rovers. Uh, disappointment last week, but uh, they were back to winning ways this week.
2: They were. Uh, a two-0 winner home to Vicious Sun, so good for them. And it was uh, Tom Smith. Uh, who opened the scoring, uh, and then almost instantly, uh, Alex Chapman against yeah, his old side uh, doubled the advantage. Uh, just just at the end of the first half, and that was how it stayed—a 2 0 win. Uh, yeah, and as you say, back to winning ways.
1: So that concludes our look down the fixtures on Saturday. Uh, we'll have a look at the week coming up. We've already talked about the FA Vars, of course. So we'll start on Tuesday, the fifth of December, where Longwell Green Sports they entertain Bridport, and then um, that's pretty much it for the midweek fixtures. Saturday, though, we've got a pretty full list of uh, Premier Divisions ties. Tom. Yeah, indeed, league fixtures are
0: uh, definitely
2: back on, uh, on the agenda. Uh, we've got Bradford Town. They host Brislington. Uh, Bridgewater Town, they take on Willand. We've got Melksham travelling to take on Cadbury Heath. Uh, chipping Sodbury Town, take on the bottom side, Longwell Green Sports. Uh, Clevedon, host Cribs. Uh, Bitton will travel to take on Hallam. We've got Shepton at the Bridport. We've got Street, obviously doing really well. Uh, they take on Hengrove. Uh, Buckland, they will travel to take on Wellington. And finally, Wells City, they host Woddowne.
1: And in the 1st Division, Bishop Sutton are at home to Bristol Telephones, Bishop's Lydiard take on Portishead Town, Carn Town are at home to Canesham Town, Chippenham Park against Almondsbury. Devises Town take on Cheddar, Malmesbury Victoria take on Corsham Town, Oldham, o- Oldham, Oldland Abertonians take on Westbury United, uh, Warminster Town Take on Chard Weldon Rovers Entertain Ashton and Backwell United and finally we'll see who's at the races between Wincanton Town and Radstock Town now before we have a little look at the, uh, the league tables we do have the small matter of the, um, the monthly awards for November Tom and um, could you start off by telling us who was our pre- premier division team of the month for November
2: yeah, indeed, for, for November. Uh, the Premier Division uh, team in the month uh, went
1: to Bridgewater Town. And what about the First Division? Yeah,
2: we've been talking about them a lot uh, this afternoon. Uh, Bremenglass Br- and George take them that
1: honour and obviously doing really, really well. Now it's going up to gold. Now I'll uh, uh, give a special name check to Liam Kingston from Cheddar who uh, won November's Safe Hands Award. And finally, we have the Respect Award, Tom. Who, uh, who were the winners there?
2: Yeah, one from uh, either division here. We have got Warminster Town in the, from the Premier and uh, Port Head from First Division. So congratulations both of those clubs.
1: Well, I, I think it's wonderful. Um, I'm sure Warminster are going to be incredibly pleased that you've promoted them because both of ah. those two teams are in the Premier in the First Division. Of <laughs> anyway well that's a good that's a good bit of breaking news there um, right then let's have a let's have a little look at the league tables because I think you could probably do with refreshing yourself on exactly who's where <laughs> do you want to wanna, turn, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do the Premier Division because I think you probably need to brush up on the First Division don't you really yeah, I
2: can't, I can't support warm during the Premier Division so
1: let's I'm... put them up there I mean I've, I've, their, their poor manager gets very nervous every time I phone him up for an interview on the podcast because normally they go on about a 10 match um, losing run so um, the fact that we've we've promoted them but by, by Christmas he, um, he, we, might get, we might stand an outside chance of getting them on in the new year anyway street hats off to Mr Richard Fay 18 played 14 wins 44 points 6 points ahead of Willand Rovers Willand have played 16 they've got 38 points Bradford Town our cup specialists they're in 3rd they've played 15 they're on 34 points Melksham Town 17 played 32 points Buckland Athletic 17 played 32 points then you have to go all the way down um, to uh, 26 points off of 15 games for Bridgewater Town Bridgewater though of course are in a very good run of form at the bottom of the Premier Division we've got Longwell Green Sports still that solitary point 10 points clear of them are Wells City on 11 points they've played 18 games and just above them Halland. they've only played 15 games but they've got 12 points and above them Willing- Wellington uh, on 16 games played and 14 points now then Tom if you've composed yourself can you take a through the runners and the riders in the first division.
2: Indeed. So, uh, at the top, we've got Romaglass and George uh, on goal difference. Uh, They've played 20, they've got 40 points. Uh, And likewise, Cainton, they've played 20, uh, got 40 points. So they're seven goals behind on, on the goal difference, but obviously a long way to go. Um, both of them are well ahead on the goals scored I mean, looking at it now, Raymond and Georgia got 59 goals, Cainton's 61, uh, Streets ahead of everyone else, so they're doing really well at the moment. Uh, Cheddar, though, game in hand, 19 games played, 37 points, so with that and their level, uh, with the, the two sides at the top, and obviously Westbury have doing, done really well, uh, 19 games played, 36 points, uh, and then we've also got Welton and Radstock, who've played 19 and 18 respectively, they're on 33 points, so really hotting up at the top of the first division, uh, six, I would say, very very good side um, battling for, for promotion. Uh, and then at the other end, opposite end of the, the table, we've got Portishead. They're bottom. Uh, they've played 20. Uh, they've got 10 points. Uh, Sherbourne, uh, they're next. They've played uh, 19 games. They've got 13 points. And then there's Warminster. Um, I'm not sure how they've ended up in the first division, but um, 20 games played, <laughs> uh, they've got 18 points. Uh, yeah, so they're they're in 20th position.
1: Right then. Um, now, in all the excitement, I uh, very nearly up, forgot to ask you about your game of the week coming up. Have any of those fixtures looking back to the games, particularly starting on Saturday the 9th of December, that really take your eye? Yeah,
2: indeed. Uh, the First Division I've plumped for, uh, plumped for indeed, in fact. <clears throat> and it's uh, Kenshin Town's uh, trip to Calm to, Calum, to Kenshin. Uh, I would call them free scoring at the moment. They're doing really well. <laughs> Uh, in front of goal, but of got a few good results recently, so um, yeah, that'll be the yeah, I keep my eye
1: on the most, I reckon, on Saturday. And uh, in the Premier Division, I can't help but look further than Bridgewater Town against Willen Rovers. Two informed sides there, um, that will really be a titanic battle because Bridgewater Town, they've got an air of the Hen Grove about them, they're coming up on the rail. Uh, On on the subject of the rail, indeed, we've got Wincanton Town against Radstock in the First Division. Radstock Town are like a box of chocolates, to quote the the film Forrest Gump. You never really know what you're going to get. So it'll be very interesting to see whether they can continue their good form or whether they come unstuck at uh, Wincanton, who are handy on their day. Now, just before we carry on, of course, there is our regular parish notices section now we, we, uh, we, we don 't have a great deal coming back from the uh, from the clubs at the moment, but one thing that I did do this week was catch up with one man who made the headlines now, normally, of course, for regular listeners of the podcast you 'll be used to our manager interviews on this occasion for the first time ever history is made. I spoke to a player, a western League player, and a player who has distinguished himself in uh, in in no uncertain terms, um, the Western League can boast many things, but did you know that it could boast a centurion, a man who has represented his country over 100 times? I'm ca- talking, of course, about the Melksham Town footballer, Luke Ballinger. He has been playing for England for, at Futsal for the last 10 years. And I caught up with Luke at Oakfield Stadium um, to talk about that incredible achievement, and I started off the interview by asking him exactly... What is futsal?
4: Uh, so the easiest way For people that don't know This sport Is uh, it's a different format Of five-a-side um, So you're not playing With walls Like you would If you're just going Down your leisure centre On an evening It's kind of played On a basketball-sized court No walls Like I said um, So when the ball Goes out of play The clock stops um, So you play two halves Of 20 minutes But you're actually Playing 20 minutes Of ball-playing time So when you play 45 minutes of football You're probably playing 20 minutes of ball-time So um, there's a few rules Regarding the goalkeeper um, But I won't bore you with that um, but the game's much faster uh, than football um, and it's kind of all the best bits of football pumped into uh, futsal really um, so if you like to watch the best bits of football and don't like the the technical side of the pass and possession and just hoofing the ball um, futsal's the game for you so what got you into it? Uh, what got me into it? So my uncle had been kind of studying the game for a while, been watching videos. Um, so, he didn't have DVDs back in the day, so videos. Um, he kind of wanted to start something up over here uh, around this area. Um, so he got kind of a local league going in Chippenham, which was... Uh, branded as a futsal league, but at the time we didn't know how to play the game. It was played with the rules, but um, I just entered a side. We won that, won that league and we went to a qualified in Bath Uni against Cornwall and we beat them and then went up to Birmingham to play three other sides. Um, and one of the sides had quite a few England players at the time, so we never expected to do anything, but um, we won that tournament. Um, and funny enough A bloke after that Tournament Come up to me And said Oh I'm just going to Keep an eye on you I'm going to Recommend you to the England manager and of course You don't think of Anything at the time We went up to Sheffield for the Weekend Ten years ago um, Great weekend Great experience We won the plate competition We beat Preston North End In the final 8-6 And I scored six And this bloke appeared again And said Oh the England manager Was watching Um, Expect a call And of course you don't think Of anything's going to happen And then about Two months later I had a a voicemail On my phone From the England manager At the time Graham Dell To say We're off to Turkey In two weeks Um, I've put you in the squad Can you just call me back To confirm you're okay And obviously I I rang back and said okay And I've been playing ever since So what position do you play um,
1: uh, in football? Or actually is it, because it's um, because there's only five of you on the pitch at any one time, um, is it a lot more fluid than, than perhaps the recognised sort of 11-a-side structure?
4: There are positions. So when I play for England I'm, a, I'm classed as a pivot, which is kind of like in football terms of centre-forward. Um, however, because of the way the game goes and it's defence to attack quite quickly, you kind of do end up at the back, uh, your back pivot, so your you centre-half in terms of, we're talking football terms, and then you've got two like midfielder so you're kind of playing like a diamond formation and some the top top sides play a 4-0 which I won't go into too, too much detail about that but there are different formations but what you have to be able to do is be able to attack and defend you, you'll you get found out quite easily if you can only do one um, especially if you can't you can defend um, and I think that for me has probably been the best best bit of Going from footside to football because when I was at Chipnam I started going into right back at the time, and I kind of come back on my one v one defending. In the, uh, football terms So that's where it helped me quite a lot to be honest um, Because obviously when I was Before I started playing for Chipman I was a forward player And if I'm honest I didn't really enjoy The, the, the defending parts But when you play futsal you have to do it and You have to enjoy it as well That's the most important thing You have to enjoy defending Because when you come up against the top top sides That's all you're doing
1: You, you mentioned that 10 years ago You were you, on your travels um, To places like Sheffield um, And where you caught the eye But what's the futsal um, structure in the country like today is there a sort of a is there is there a pyramid structure is there a more formal structure of the way that the national team is selected
4: yeah absolutely and it's changed massively since I first started playing 10 years ago so when I first started playing there wasn't a national league it was just a cup competition and then that was back in 2007 and now we're in 2017 and I, I believe I believe I could be correct if I'm wrong but there was more teams enter the Futsal FA Cup than there was the Football FA Cup last year Um, so that's how big the game's getting I mean don't get me wrong some of the teams don't know how to play Futsals they're just entering but in terms of the game, it's growing very, very quickly. Um, But in terms of structure, we have now um, a a national league, a super league, which is 12 teams up and down the country. So I'm playing for Salisbury. Um, We've been already this year to York. We've played Tramere at home. We've been to Cambridge. We've still got to go to Manchester. We've got to go up to Tramere. And we've got a few more trips to London. So in terms of that, it's up and down the country now. It's a big commitment um, for people on a Sunday. And I'm probably one of not many now that play football as well um, so the England team is based on all futsal players there's probably one or whatever, two of the ladder plays for Maidenhead in the conference but there's a bigger pool of futsal players now where I first started playing it was non-league players good non-league players um, being selected but because the game has got bigger and bigger we have a national league um, the pool of players is much much bigger now
1: so what about the venues that you play in? You've mentioned some of the locations, but what about um, what about the venues that you're playing
4: in? The venues um, there, so for example, I'm playing at Salisbury. We're playing at Five Rivers Leisure Centre. It's a good venue. Um, the court's big enough. Um, there has to be some sort of... Um, you have to meet certain like, criteria to be in the Super League. Um, so... Solsbury probably, in terms, we're probably the worst team in the league, but in terms of knowledge of the game, um, experience of players, but by far the best in terms of uh, support. We have 250 people turn up every week, which is fantastic. Um, it's more than most Western League clubs. Um, you know, that's not being disrespectful, but you know, that's in terms of where the game's going and what people enjoy about the game of futsal um, but. It is mainly leisure centres. There's a a, uh, school centre in uh, London. It's not so much of an aircraft hangar, but it's kind of based on that sort of thing. It's just a massive hall. It's absolutely freezing in the winter. Um, But most places, Loughborough University has obviously played at the uni, but again in the sports hall. Um, And that is where we are at the moment in this country. We don't have a, a design building for futsal, and that's the next step, I think. We go to, let's say, for example, we go to somewhere like Macedonia, um, in terms of country, it's very, very poor place. Um, it's quite sad to see, but it opens your eyes in terms of what they have in, for a uh, futsal arena or basketball arena compared to what we have. It's, although, you know, we're sitting on wooden wooden seats, but they have a venue for, designed for this sport or, or basketball and handball and all that's in there as well. Um, and then you go to, I've been to Malaysia and it was a 10,000 seat stadium. Incredible, incredible place. Um, again, Libya, I went to Libya. What a fantastic venue they have. These guys have venues and you've got a question why we don't have these kind of venues when, you know, we're talking money. We've got far, far more money than these other countries. Um, so that's the next step for the sport. I think is to get, a purpose-built venue we played Sweden a couple of years ago at the um, Copper Box where the handball was played in the Olympics and fantastic, fantastic arena and if we can start getting more games there in terms of England um, but the most important is getting England there but getting the fans in, we played there and 2,000 fans were there, fantastic, but it wasn't enough, uh, the FA want to see these, these uh, facilities filled out um, The the major step forward for me would be if we held a European competition or a World Cup at maybe the 0-2 in the copper box and then for me the game won't stop growing then.
1: You mentioned the FA and um, I was interested to know how do they view um, futsal? Is there, uh, clearly there's a, there is some form of relationship there but in terms of growing the sport in terms of um, the finance what, uh, what relationship is there with the Football Association?
4: When I first started playing there wasn't there was a budget, a small budget but it comes, I won't go into too much detail, but there's pots of money um, and there's a technical pot in another pot, but we're not in that technical pot with the f- the first team, with the 21s, we're in a different pot. So the, the next step for the foot sale for in the FA is to get the futsal into that other pot where there's more money it's growing, we're getting there, we're pushing people in the right direction, when I first started playing they weren't interested, they really wasn't um, but now because of the way we've started moving up the world rankings, um, we've started winning more games, I mean when I first started playing we'd never won a game um, and now we've qualified through main to main round qualifying competitions which for us at the moment is probably our World Cup, we play the, when you get to in the same groups as Spain and Italy and Portugal, um, so that's the next next step is to continue to do that. Um, it's a long we're a long long way off to qualifying for a major competition, I believe. Um, but again, it's another target to hit. But in terms of the FA and Pop Fund, it's just we just got to keep doing what we're doing on the pitch, on the court, shall I say? And and hopefully someone at the FA buys into it. So, if
1: we look at um, where we stand in the world compared to other nations, and um, when you're playing, do you come across um, um, some recognisable faces? I mean, do, do, do the Italians take it seriously enough to get to wheel out Paolo Maldini? Or, I mean, am being flippant, but um, um, but, but do, have you come across sort of other countries who've actually had um, sort of recognisable football internationals, or certainly recognisable faces playing for them?
4: Uh, that's a good question I mean We've played Holland And there's been A pro footballer Playing um, I, You know It may not be a big deal But I can't remember His name But good good player He played at top level In Holland France Zidane has played For France a few times It's more The footballers now Your likes of Ronaldo's, Your Messi's your Coutinho's, your Neymar's, they all played the game when they were younger. Um, and I think when you're in Brazil, you don't start playing football until you're about 13, 14, you're playing futsal. Um, so it's kind of what, not so much who's playing now, as who's played before to become a top footballer. Um, although we're trying to make the sport its own sport in its own right, rather than a development tool for football, for me, I think we just got to take one step at a time and use futsal as a development tool. And then if you, you enjoy futsal that much you continue to play if you want to cont- play football that's fine but what you're going to do is you're going to play a better player play in futsal um, so like I said you've got your Ronaldo's your Messi's that have come from futsal um, but again there's been a tournament out in India um, where your Ronaldinho's been playing your Skulls has been playing, Giggs has been playing although it's not the full rules etc or laws of the game you're getting these players starting to play the game and what it does it creates a bit of a trend on Twitter and people watching what they're doing and actually what they play playing futsal comes out and then people are talking about the sport so although there's not so much big names in terms of football playing futsal at the moment they are playing whether it's exhibition tournaments or they have played before so that's where the game will grow
1: so you've played 100 games you've been given your golden cap at Wembley um, how longer how much longer can you keep going for
4: uh, good question so um, like I said, my last 25 games were tough um, because I kind of fell out—not fell out of favor with the manager, I suppose, at the time, um, and I wasn't playing my best, if I'm honest. Um, but I got there, and on 98, the manager resigned, so I had a new manager come in, and he asked me, "Do I want to continue to play, or do I want to stop when I get to 100?" And I thought, now nah, there's a new manager, it's a time to a fresh start. So I said, I'm going to carry on playing. So I've got to 108. Um, I've missed the last couple of trips. In fact, England have got a big game today against Wales um, in the Four Nations tournament up held in Edinburgh. Do I, want, I still want to play. It, it, it's like a drug. You're addicted. You love it. Um, I love playing the game. I love putting on the shirt. I believe I still have something to offer the, the national side. Um, said, so my goal scoring 60 goals in 108 games is better than anyone in the country. So I know I can still do that. Um, what I have to do now while I'm out of the side is prove that I can keep doing it. That's going to be difficult because of things that have gone on. But if the guys aren't scoring goals, then I know I can come in and fill someone's boots. So it's just being patient, I think. Uh, how patient can I be? That's a good question. Um, but like I said, putting an England shirt on is the biggest and proudest thing you can do as a, as a player. You know, you're never going to do it for the men's side playing football, so playing futsal and putting the three free lines on his chest is, is a big, big thing for me.
1: One final question. Jordan Pickford, Stones, Ali, Kane, Carl Walker
4: against the current England futsal side, who'd win? Good question. Um, I'd, I'd like to say yes simply because we know how to play the game Uh, our development England development side 23's played Bournemouth um, under 23's uh, about a year ago now um, because I think Bournemouth are quite keen to and Eddie Howe is quite keen to see how the game is working and how it works and how it can be transformed into football Um, so they brought their under 23's down and it was quite an even game I I believe and then we went into a fly goalkeeper which is a futsal term of playing rush rush keeper and blew them out the water so um, it's those, tur- those little te- techniques and tactical things that probably outdo the, the top players. But in a futsal game, technically they're going to be very good. They're, good. they're good, good footballers. But knowing the rules and how you can get round them, I'd like to think the, the futsal side would win. Um, it could be a good match for sure. It would, wouldn't it? We'd have to, let's get on the phone to Eddie Hearn.
1: Yeah. Let's get you back in the copper box. Let's, let's make that one happen. Luke, congratulations for that incredible achievement. And thank you very much for your time. Now then, Tom, I know you've penned the, 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 uh, the bulletin because, um, we well, quite frankly, we wouldn't be doing this podcast without it. But have you also penned your uh, article for the non-league paper this week?
2: Yeah, indeed. Um, it was, it's in the uh, usual uh, area, the step five and six section, uh, and that was 180-odd words on the uh, Premier Division on Saturday.
1: Excellent stuff, Tom. Thank you very much um, for your time, as always. And I look forward to catching up with you uh, on next week's Toolstation League podcast.